Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fan, to the aspiring pro wrestler, and everybody in between, including those of you who are just here to kind of hang out. Welcome to Manifest Wrestling, the podcast brought to you by the Believe Network. My name's Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-E-E. Junior, and you can bet on me. Welcome to your raw review for August 14th, 2023. Now, man, we got two big lead stories coming out of Raw this week. Story number one is the World Heavyweight Championship. So, last week we saw at the end of the show Shinsuke Nakamura delivered a Kinshasa to an unsuspecting Seth Rollins, and this week. They addressed it. They had an interview with Shinsuke Nakamura and Michael Cole in the ring. Michael Cole asking the obvious question, Shinsuke, why'd you do it? And Shinsuke cut his promo in Japanese, so I had no idea what he was saying, but I do know he did mention the World Heavyweight Championship. And that brought out who else but Seth freaking Rollins, the champion himself. And he had a lot to say, including the fact that he did not believe that Shinsuke's sneak attack was solely because of the World Heavyweight Championship. The reason he said that is because Seth has been very clear from the beginning of his title reign, I am a fighting champion. You don't have to attack me from behind, because if you want a title shot, all you got to do is ask for a title shot. And so Seth is like, you know what, that's okay though, because Nevertheless, no, no matter why you did it, you kicked me in the face, so now I want my get back. And the only way to get that is for me to give you what you want, which is a World Heavyweight Championship match. So it's on. Your challenge is formally accepted. And then, you know, after they made that official, they shook hands. Shinsuke grabs Seth, brings him in. And whispers something in his ear that really had Seth looking stunned. And um, I don't know what he said. They'll eventually tell us, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks or so leading up to payback. Where I'm assuming this match will take place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Home of my Pittsburgh Penguins. But whatever it is, that Seth Rollins shook. So shook that he let his guard down and he ate yet another Kinshasa. That's going to start getting old for the champ. All right. So what do I think about this? I love it. I love Shinsuke Nakamura getting championship matches. Uh, he, ne- he never wins them, obviously, since he left NXT. He never has won the world championship, uh, any of them, whether it be the Universal, WWE, World Heavyweight. He's never won any of them. But the feuds are always good. Well, except that AJ Styles one that we thought was going to be good. And they kept labeling it as a dream match. And then it just kind of didn't work out that way. Involved a lot of, like, low blows and things of that nature. But that's, well, yeah, There's then there's that Jinder Mahal one. You know what? This could be a great opportunity for Shinsuke Nakamura to finally have that world title feud on the main roster that his career deserves. Because he's so accomplished all around the world, especially in Japan. I mean, New Japan Pro Wrestling legend. I don't even need to say that. Anybody who 
watches anything outside of WWE knows how big of a name this man Shinsuke Nakamura made for himself before he came to WWE. And he's just been a steady veteran. He doesn't complain. He just keeps his head down, works, does what they ask him to do. And now I feel like he's finally getting rewarded with a world championship program. And I love that for him. Good for Shinsuke. But man, I really want to know what he said to Seth Rollins that had Seth so shook. Because Seth was very, very shooketh. I've never seen him like that before. Stunned because somebody whispered something in his ear. Never seen it. Never seen it. Wondering what he said. But overall, this should be a good program. We obviously know the match is going to be pretty good. I mean, this you got two of the best wrestlers in the company going head-to-head in the championship match. Can't go wrong there. And with Roman Reigns presumably not being on the payback show, I don't see why he would be there with how they're taking that bloodline story. This match should main event the show, which is even better. You know, you got the good match with the good wrestlers, a good story being told, and is going to get a good spot in the main event of the show where it deserves to be. Excellent. Good job. The second big lead story, The Judgment Day, continues on this roller coaster. This roller coaster of like, man, are they breaking up? Are they not breaking up? Then you have the insertion of JD McDonough. And everything that he has going on creatively in in this feud, I mean, in the storyline now, rather, I should say. I mean, you could say it's a feud, I guess, because, you know, Damien Priest and Finn Balor can't seem to really permanently get back on the same page. But what happened tonight is, once again, you know, down to the ring come uh, Dominic Mysterio, Damien Priest, Rhea Ripley, and there's no... Finn Balor, again. And, you know, Damien obviously addresses this, and he's like, okay, once again, Finn Balor's not coming down here with us. But this time, Finn Balor apparently sends J.D. McDonough, and J.D. McDonough is there to send a message on behalf of Finn Balor. And that message is, hey, don't worry about my relationship with J.D., just worry about Cody and the rest of his friends like Sammy and Seth and all of them don't worry about JD JD's cool and you know Dom Rhea and Priest they push back obviously they're like who are you nobody tells us what to do especially not anybody that's not in the judgment day and you know out comes Sammy Zayn to uh to attack JD because JD attacked him last week injuring his elbow and taking him out of the main event which set up the whole Shinsuke Nakamura Seth Rollins thing and interesting JD goes to ask for assistance, like he reaches for, you know, Dominic, Rhea, and Damien, and they're like, no, bro, like, you're not with us, we don't know you, and he just keeps, you know, getting beat up and stuff, and uh, eventually that leads to a match with Sammy and JD, which Sammy wins, but not before Finn Balor comes down to the ring to try to help JD, so that's where it gets kind of interesting, because Finn wasn't down there uh, in the ring with the promo, with the rest of his Judgment Day members, but he was able to make his way down to the ring for JD, and that's where things kind of got a little saucy, you know, Damien's like, man, what's going on with this, man, you know, you can be down there for him, but not for us, like, what, what is this, he's not in the Judgment Day, we haven't allowed him in the Judgment Day, what are you doing, like, what's going on, legitimate questions, right, very legitimate questions, but, By the end of the night, it looked like they were right back 
on the same page because, well, it didn't look like it was going to be that way because it was Cody versus Finn Balor in the main event. And once again, Damian Priest comes down there. The whole Judgment Day comes down there. First, it's just Rhea and Dominic, though, and they're putting it over in commentary. Oh, where's Damian? Damian's not coming down here when Finn needs him, but he was complaining earlier that Finn didn't come down there with him. Like, what's going on in the Judgment Day? But all of a sudden, here comes Damian Priest with his briefcase again. Tries to slide it in the ring to help Finn Balor. Finn, Finn misses it. It goes right between his legs and right into the hands of Cody, who ends up using it on Finn and Damian and picks up the win over Finn with the crossroads. Uh, so Cody's celebrating and everything, but then Judgment Day hits the ring. They start beating down on Cody. Sammy comes down to try to help. Uh, and, you know, he's getting the better of the Judgment Day, but then out comes J.D. McDonough, who kind of saves Damian Priest. And Damian Priest ends up looking at him like, I don't, I don't, still not cool with you, but thanks. And, you know, they just ensue on this big beatdown of Sammy and Cody, and they all stand tall, and it looks like they're cool. So, you know, who knows? What is going on? Where the dissension is, you know, uh, going to end up being in the Judgment Day? If there's going to be complete dissension at all, we just don't know. I mean, all four of them, the Judgment Day, are on the poster uh, for Payback the WWE released recently. So they're at least staying together through Payback. We know that much. We know that. The story is going to at least take us through Payback because the promotional poster says so. But the question really remains, what is the future of the Judgment Day? Does Finn Balor ever win a championship while he's a member of the Judgment Day? They mentioned that today, actually, uh, on the show. They said, last night on the show, they, they said that, uh, you know, look at, look at Dominic. He has the North American Championship. Oh, look at uh, Damian Priest. He's Mr. Money in the Bank. Or Senor Money in the Bank, as he's calling himself. Look at Rhea. She's the women's world champion and a dominant one. Nobody looks like they can touch her. And then there's Finn, who has nothing, who hasn't won anything since he's been a part of the Judgment Day. And you got to think, man, is that starting to hurt the ego of Finn Balor? Is Finn Balor starting to feel like he can't reach his top goals, really, as a member of the Judgment Day? Is J.D. McDonough the key to unlocking Finn Balor's success and is that success still as a member of the Judgment Day or does Finn Balor leave the Judgment Day and join JD McDonough as their own little group right there in order to take Finn Balor to the next level interesting questions coming out of Monday Night Raw man if I had to book it if I had to book it me personally I would have had Finn Balor win the title at SummerSlam, and I will tell you why. Seth Rollins has already said that he's dealing with some injuries and stuff. He might need to get some surgeries. I would think maybe that would be a great time to go ahead and take the title off of him, and maybe they have their rematch around Royal Rumble, where Seth can win it back if he really needs to. And, you know, Seth Seth is one of those talents that doesn't need a title to be over, uh, but his, his presence helps the championship, right? And they have a new championship. It's the new World Heavyweight Championship. 
And, of course, they need somebody with prestige and legitimacy to help get that championship over so that it doesn't appear to just be a secondary title. And Seth Rollins has been doing a great job of that. And, I mean, even at SummerSlam, we're being honest, the World Heavyweight Championship match was better than the Universal Championship match. And that's just a fact, you know. I think everybody who was there would tell you the same thing. There, there, were, there was a lot more belief that Finn Balor could win that championship than Jey Uso beating Roman Reigns. And, you know, that added suspense and, you know, drama and everything to the World Heavyweight Championship match, as where the Undisputed Universal Championship was a little bit more predictable, right? I mean, yes, nobody saw what Jimmy did coming, but we kind of we kind of knew it was a long shot that Jay walked out as Universal Champion at the end of the night. No, we hoped that he would. He didn't, and none of us were really that surprised about it, right? So, you know, I, I I thought Finn Balor winning at SummerSlam made sense because then you got this big storyline going on within the Judgment Day, similar to how the Bloodline has their storyline going on within the Bloodline, where now everybody's kind of looking at each other like, okay, who's the real alpha dog here? And obviously Triple H came out and said, yeah, Rhea can be a lip. Uh, the leader of the Judgment Day. Finn Balor can too. Damian Priest can too. Everybody except Dominic can be the leader of the Judgment Day. <laughs> so, you know, you you had you you'd have a story where, you know, you have the World Heavyweight Champion and Mr. Money in the Bank in the same stable. Oh man, like what happens there? Where where does that end up going? Where do you take that story? Like, when does Damian Priest just straight up turn on Finn Balor? Does he ever turn on Finn Balor? Does he does he pick his spots? Does he maybe decide, oh, let's go after Roman Reigns? Or is it, you know, one of those uh Batista turns on evolution kind of moments where I, I don't think I don't think Damian Priest would have that type of babyface reaction from the crowd that Batista had when he turned on Triple H and Ric Flair. But, you know, it the same concept basically of just turmoil within the stable uh with actual high stakes involved right when batista turned on evolution he was the royal rumble winner you know there was a decision to be made about which title he was going to go after is he going to go after jbl and the wwe championship on smackdown or is he going to go after the world heavyweight championship and turn on his evolution brethren his mentor in triple h and obviously he chose to go after triple h after months and months of them, you know, kind of teasing that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I did think, you know, if I if I could be on that creative team and make those type of decisions, and I trust Triple H. He's been doing a, a really good job since he took over. But I thought the Finn Balor-Seth Rollins match was excellent, but a bit of a missed opportunity to maybe create a deeper storyline within the Judgment Day. However... Looks like maybe they have a certain plan that we don't see coming. And you know what? I'm all for it. I'm especially all for it because J.D. McDonough is involved. And I just, I got a lot of love and respect for that guy. His work in NXT was awesome. And honestly, I just think he's an underrated performer that's been held back because of his size. But in Triple H's WWE, size isn't as big of a factor in whether you get a push or not. It's really all about that character work. And... JD really comes off as somebody that's dangerous, that's, you know, a predator, uh, somebody you you think you can underestimate, but 
he'll hurt you, you know. And he cuts one of the best promos, too, I think, in the company. If you really give this guy a chance to, uh, you know, talk some, some scathing stuff to his opponents, he can pull it off uh, really, really well. I'm excited to see him get more chances to do that. I was really excited to see him just get a promo period this week. I thought that was really cool. So, you know, really excited for what they're doing with JD. If Finn wasn't going to win at SummerSlam, I'll take this because I think I think this is really, really good. But we're going to take our first break of the show and well, our only break of the show. Lucky you guys. But when we come back, we're going to have our new segment called The Three Counts, where I will go over three things that I took away from last night's show. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back on the Manifest Podcast with your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the three count here on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast with your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-E-E Jr. And you can bet on me. This is a product of the Believe Podcast Network. And this is the three count, baby. Count number one. You know, there's been a lot of praise thrown at overseas crowds lately, and rightfully so. I mean, London was tremendous. Puerto Rico was legendary. I can still go back, watch that show, and have a lot of fun. And Canadian crowds are typically some of the best crowds of the year in professional wrestling. I mean, any city you go to in Canada, it's it's typically just fantastic. Their energy is high. Uh, they're really into the show, and they're smart fans. You know, you know what I mean. They're they're very intelligent fans. But tonight, I keep saying tonight. Last night, man, that's the exception. Winnipeg, you were terrible. You were terrible. I mean, lackluster energy from start to finish, basically. I mean, the only things that I really feel like they gave energy to was Cody and Sami Zayn, you know, coming out at the beginning of the show. I thought, you know, I thought their reaction with the Gunther and Chad Gable stuff was lackluster. I thought the energy that they gave to Drew McIntyre was lackluster. Um, obviously, they really weren't that into the Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus match, and it didn't really end that well either, but... Come on, guys. Like, you pay you pay a ticket to a show. Be into it. Just try. Do something. I mean, I know, you know, you, you, you can only cheer for what you're really into, right? But if you're into professional wrestling, if you're into WWE, don't come to the show and just sit on your hands, right? Like, be involved in the show. Start some chants. Get the, get the energy going. Because what crowds have to realize... A great crowd can turn a bad match into a great match. We've seen it time and time again. An example from Canada, WrestleMania 18, Rock Hogan. 
One of the worst matches of all time if you watch it on mute. One of the greatest top 10 WrestleMania matches of all time when you watch it with the volume up. Because crowds make a huge difference. Crowds help with ring psychology. Crowds help with overall energy of the show. And crowds really help the performers unlock a new level of themselves as well. I just want crowds all over to keep that in mind. Don't be what Winnipeg was last night. Don't be what Lafayette was when Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa made their debuts on the main roster. Don't be those crowds. Don't. I get it, man. I know I know it's hard to be into everything if you're not into it. If you're just not into it, I know. It's hard to like actually get up and make noise and But come on, man. Come on. There was some good wrestling on this show and it just was not being given much energy at all. You can't come to a show and sit on your hands. That's a waste of money. Stay home. Stay home. You can literally sit on your couch and make no noise and watch the show for free. Stay home. That's all I got to say about that one. Number two. Let's talk about the Glass Bros. Let's talk about the Glass Bros. Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. That's an interesting pair. And I'm not going to lie. I fully expected Drew McIntyre to just completely turn on Matt Riddle tonight. I, last night. Oh, man. Somebody got to start a counter. And I have to do like 10 push-ups every time I say tonight instead of last night. Somebody let me know how many I said, please. Hit me up on Instagram, at Alfonso McCree Jr. And let me know, let me know how many times I said it. But last night, I really expected Drew McIntyre to completely just Claymore kick Matt Riddle's head off. I thought that's what was going to happen. But it didn't. And it looks like maybe they might be going in another direction like they did with the RK Bro thing. And if they are, hey, so be it. Give Drew McIntyre something to do. It's entertaining. I'm all for it. We got to talk about the New Day, too. Okay, because the New Day will be going against the newly formed Glass Bros next week. And, uh, they're, man, the New Day is hilarious, man. <laughs> they're always so cultured. So, for those of you who missed it or might not be aware of why it's hilarious, the New Day were backstage and ran into Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. And, uh, you know, they heard Mac and they heard Riddle, rather, talking about how great their tag team was and going after the titles and stuff. And New Day's like, hey, hold up, we're here. Hey, hey, you gotta get through us first. And they're carrying, they're carrying these white foldable chairs. And if you don't know why that's funny, you just need to look up... Uh, the Montgomery Sweet Tea Party. There's a video floating around. And it's it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I'll let you go look at it for, for yourself. It's it's insane. It's insane. And of course, of course, black Twitter, we we can't behave. So social media has ran with this thing and people are like going to the store and buying white chairs and 
when I saw the new day come on screen with it, I immediately burst into laughter, took a picture, and sent it to like everybody. It was it was fantastic. So just make sure you check that out. But Glass Bros, I want to give it a chance. I think it has the potential to be a lot of fun, be really funny, be similar to RK Bro. And if it's similar to RK Bro, it'll get over and it'll be good. It'll be a good thing. That 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 begs the question of like how long is KO gonna be out? Because you know Sami Zayn's been coming out by himself lately. He was even announced today as the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champion, which was weird. But like you know, because Samantha didn't say one half; she just said like like it's a singles championship. So that that was that was strange, but. You know, how long is KO out? You know, we don't know. We don't know what his injury is, the severity of it, how long it's going to keep him out. Hopefully not too long, though. Hopefully not too long. And number one. Number three. Sorry. Number three. We're on our third account here to wrap things up for the night. And it's the Gunther and Chad Gable storyline. I can't wait to see this match next week. Chad Gable has been on fire recently, and Gunther is 11 days away from breaking the Intercontinental title reign record. And honestly, I just got to say, man, I know Chad Gable's not winning this match. But what if he does? What if he does? You know, it... (laughs) When I think about it, it doesn't really make sense for him to win, right? Because we're trying to position Gunther as a future main eventer. Wouldn't the accolade, like, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time automatically solidify him as a major player for years to come? It's not like the honky-tonk mans where, man, this dude's matches are terrible or he's just getting DQ finishes and things like that to, like, escape with his championship. No, this guy is, like, actually beating people senseless and dominating and winning on his own he doesn't even that's the thing about Gunther have you ever noticed that about Gunther while Roman Reigns uses the bloodline to get his victories Gunther doesn't need anybody ever he just wins he just shows up beats somebody up pins them and walks away with his title this dude is legit so I, I can't really see I can't really see Gable winning next week. But it's WWE. You never really know what they're gonna do, you know? I just think it might be a mistake if they stopped it, you know, so many days short. It would what, it would be four days short at that point of breaking the record. I think you gotta keep it going. You have to keep it going. You know, I think uh I think Gunther is a special talent. Uh, I, I wish he would bring back Symphony 7, I believe. That's that's the uh, symphony it is. I, I wish that was his entrance music again. Like, people really loved singing along with that one. That was that was fun when he was in NXT UK. Uh, but, you know, Gunther always has great David versus Goliath matches. If you look at his stuff with Tyler Bate, Ilya Dragunov, and Pete Dunne, oh my goodness, man. Those matches made me fall in love with British wrestling. You know, it made me want to one day in my career maybe dabble in some British wrestling and, you know, let somebody hit me really hard and, you know, have just a really physical match, test like test my strength, my fortitude, all those things. 
you know, those matches inspired me to tell great stories, to kind of shift the way that David versus Goliath stories have to be told. Because in those matches with Gunther, who was Walter at the time, and he was a lot heavier, they still got in a lot of offense, but the offense made sense. It made sense. And it was really good, man. It was really good. If you haven't seen his matches back then, I'm telling you, man, I... I know you guys probably maybe hear that a lot. Like, oh, if you haven't seen this, go. I'm serious, man. If you have not seen those matches, I promise you they are some of the best matches you have never seen in your life. And it's not it's not a bunch of flips and tricks and stuff like that. It is just hard-hitting physical action. Ilya Dragunov and Gunther had a match in front of nobody. And it was the hardest-hitting loudest slapping match I had ever seen ever heard and it was better than a lot of matches that had crowds it's just he's he's phenomenal I love Gunther Gunther's one of my favorites he's been that way since he came into the company and um yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be really excited to see his match next week I know Gable's going to do an amazing job as well you know just He's, he's such an electric performer, and uh, I remember for a while, he just could not get on TV, and that just seems like a, such a long time ago, and I'm grateful for that, because Chad Gable deserves to have that TV time. He's excellent, man. He's absolutely excellent. But I'll do it for this week's Raw Review. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed the new segment of The Three Count. My name is Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-A-E-E Jr. And you can bet on me and you can bet on the Believe Network. Bringing you Manifest Wrestling at least twice a week. Make sure you guys tune in. Follow us on all social media platforms. And make sure you subscribe. Follow, follow on these platforms so you can get more of the manifest wrestling podcast but until the next time which will probably be the smackdown review until further notice i will see you guys in the next episode stay blessed